Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Because see, when we're walking rightly and our lives are right in the Lord's sight, what comes packaged with that is a holy boldness and a sanctified strength. I know in my heart I am right with God. I'm living rightly, righteously. And what comes with that is a strength deep down in my heart. And again, this is why the enemy wants to tempt me towards unrighteousness. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Barag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Ephesians. Live righteously with the Lord. In today's message from Pastor J.D., He teaches us that when we walk rightly with the Lord, we have a holy boldness that is carried deep within our hearts. The enemy seeks to tempt us towards unrighteousness. But when we pursue righteousness, God gives us his strength to step forward into victory. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Ephesians chapter 6 with part one of his message, How God's Armor Works. Ephesians chapter 6, we actually borrowed three words from the first part of verse 14. So we'll pick it up in verse 14 and I'll start at the beginning and we'll go through to verse 17. The Apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit, is writing to the church there in Ephesus and says, verse 14, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, verse 16, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So I want to talk with you today about the full armor of God, the full armor of God, and more specifically, how the armor actually works, very practically. It seems that the Apostle Paul, who you might remember was under Roman custody at the time that he wrote this letter to the Ephesians, was perhaps inspired by the Holy Spirit to draw this very interesting and even fascinating comparison to this armor. Doubtless he saw the Roman guards with all of their armor on and was inspired by the Holy Spirit with what I would argue is the best analogy concerning our spiritual warfare, and it's that of the armor of God that God has given to us in order to equip us and enable us to stand against the attacks of the devil in the realm of the spirit. 
When I say that I've been looking forward to this, I say that this way. Leading up to this, the enemy has really, which is why I prayed this way, done everything he can to keep me personally from being able to teach this simply and clearly. And I approached it very carefully and very prayerfully, and I hope that you'll bear with me as I do my best to teach on the armor of God and how it works. As we get into each aspect of the armor symbolically, what we're going to find is that it applies to every aspect of our Christian lives practically. And what I want to do is start with a description of each part of the armor, along with its practical application. Then we're going to take the needed time to go a little more in-depth into each one. I will, and I was, even as we were worshiping just now, and even the prayer meeting before first service, I was inquiring of the Lord concerning the emphasis on two aspects of the armor that I want us to spend a little bit more time on than the others. That's not to say that the other parts of the armor are not important, but the Lord really impressed upon my heart two very specific truths concerning the armor that I want to share with you today. It's my hope and prayer, and I always, you know, ask the Lord to help us, I include myself in that, better understand what it is that he wants us to know and see what he wants us to see. I always ask him to give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive. And one of the things that I really believe, and I think you would agree with me when I say this, is that you're here today because you want to hear God speak into your life, right? You don't want the time that we have together in God's word to be a waste of time, right? So let's get busy. (laughs) Are you with me? Let's get into this. Here's how the armor works. First is the belt of truth. And it works by being girded around the waist so as to hold everything in place and not get tripped up. Notice the order, too, with which the Apostle Paul lists the armor. It has to start there. This is what holds everything in place. Once the belt of truth is in place, the breastplate of righteousness needs to also be put in place. And how it works is it protects the vital organs, chief of which is the heart. Very important. And that's actually one of the parts that I want to spend some time on. The third part of the armor is interesting, and it's the sandals. And please don't get the wrong impression, especially living here in Hawaii. These are not slippers. (laughs) They are sandals that would be strapped on and would shod the feet, providing a firm foundation and footing, which is perfect because that's exactly what the gospel does for us. The next part is the shield of faith. And we have an interesting detail with this one. We're told that it needs to be held up above all as an impenetrable protection that actually 
when above all extinguishes the flaming arrows of the enemy. You have to understand that they would shoot these arrows that were on fire. They had a fire on the end and they would dip this shield in water. And when that flaming arrow was fired, it would actually put out the fire and protect them from that arrow that was shot at them. The next one, and this is the second one that I want to spend a little bit more time on. It's the helmet of salvation. And this protects the mind. The mind. Then the last one, which by the way is the only offensive weapon, is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, which is sharper than any two-edged sword, able to cut between soul and spirit, bone and marrow. And I want us to now take all of those and look at them more closely, starting with this first one, the belt of truth. First and foremost, the belt of truth had to be firmly in place. Uh, Don't get weird on me, especially you guys, but it was like a girdle. I told you not to get weird on me. (laughs) It girded up the clothing which was gathered in it and secured by it, providing more freedom of movement for the uh, shoulder. Soldier. Now, here's the other thing. Every part of the armor connected to and was held together by the belt of truth. The helmet went not on the head was placed on a hook on the belt. The sword of the Spirit was in the belt. More of a dagger, which we'll talk about in a moment. Those shoes, those sandals that were strapped on and shod, they strapped all the way up and connected to the belt. The breastplate of righteousness, by the way, the heaviest part of the armor and the most vital in terms of protecting the vital organs, not just metaphorically, but spiritually as well, as we're going to see. So every part of the armor was held together. Everything was held in place by the belt. Now, isn't it so apropos that the Apostle Paul would say that the belt is truth? Because is it not true (laughs) that truth is what keeps and holds everything together. If you don't have the truth, it all falls apart, right? So first and foremost, the belt of truth has to be firmly in place. If it's not, forget the rest of the parts of the armor. It's a moot point. It's inconsequential. What is everything going to be held together by? It has to be the belt of truth. I want to talk about the breastplate of righteousness now. This had to be in place, and again, it was the the heaviest part of the armor. And I don't want to overemphasize or overstate the importance of one part over another part, but it could be argued that this was one of the more important parts of the armor. And I think the reason is obvious. If you think about it, you could stay alive if you were hit elsewhere by one of these flaming arrows in your body. If I, if I take an arrow to the leg, I, I can still live and I can still survive. I may not have a leg, but I can still live. But if I take a arrow to the heart, to the vital organs, I'm done. 
That's it. And the enemy knows it. And that's why the breastplate is likened to righteousness. And this in two ways. Certainly and chiefly, it's Christ's imputed righteousness. It's not my own righteousness. It's Christ's righteousness that this speaks to. But that's not all. It also speaks to And again, please don't misunderstand me. This is not self-righteousness, but it's righteous living. And I'll explain what I mean by that. This is living a righteous and holy Christian life that protects us. See it this way. Unrighteousness equals unprotected. And the vital organs now are vulnerable. And again, this is why it is that Satan will fire those shots, those fiery darts at that particular area in our life. Because see, when we're walking rightly and our lives are right in the Lord's sight, what comes packaged with that is a holy boldness and a sanctified strength. I know in my heart, I am right with God. I'm living rightly, righteously. And what comes with that is a strength deep down in my heart. And again, this is why the enemy wants to tempt me towards unrighteousness. Because if there's unrighteousness, then he's got one straight shot to the heart. And he's got, sorry, I just woke up a couple... I know it's the early service, but he's got me. He's got me. And is that not what he aims for? Is the hearts and minds, which we're going to talk about, of the Christian? He knows that if we're walking in unrighteousness, that we lose that peace. What do you mean? Oh, it's that peace that the Apostle Paul talks about in his letter to the Philippians chapter 4 that surpasses human understanding, that guards our hearts and minds. Never forget a number of years ago when, I always use illustrations from the mainland when I was a pastor there, but I was uh, sitting across the desk and counseling this brother in Christ who was really struggling, and he said, you know, When I sin, I just, it really affects my prayer life. To which I responded, that's the point. What do you mean by that? No, watch this. And this is how it works. And again, very practically. See, Satan knows that prayer is the deciding factor. So he'll do everything he can, do everything and stop at nothing, as I like to say, to keep the Christian from praying. Because he knows And he fears, the most that he fears is a Christian who prays. Because he knows that's the deciding factor. So now how is he going to accomplish that? Oh, he's going to tempt us to sin and unrighteousness because now there's a severing that takes place in that intimacy that I had with the Lord. That peace that I had. It, It comes with righteous living. It's the kind of life that is described this way. You're the same person you are when nobody's looking. You're the same person you are 
when nobody's looking. You're living righteously and you're living a holy life. Be ye holy as he is holy. And when we're walking in righteousness, we have this boldness, this sanctified strength that we can approach his throne of grace boldly, not arrogantly. And it's not a confidence in self. It's a confidence in the righteousness of my life. I'm living right. If I'm living unrighteously and the enemy gets me to give way to unrighteousness, then now all of a sudden my prayer life is hindered and impeded. And that's how he takes me down. Because he knows that prayer is the deciding factor. By the way, Lord willing, next week we're going to talk not just about how the armor works, but how to put the armor on. You know how to put the armor on? Spoiler alert. (laughs) Prayer. Prayer. That's how you put it on. I've heard of people who, and I've tried this actually, not to complicate prayer, but they actually pray through and put on the armor of God every day before they face the day. I think that's wisdom. I think that's wisdom. But again, I want to reemphasize that this is not a self-righteousness. That would be as filthy minstrel rags. By the way, that's the meaning of that in the original in Isaiah. It's a righteousness that comes when a Christian lives rightly and walks in purity. Purity is powerful. And you bring to warfare, and it is a war. It's not a playground. It is a battleground. You bring the power of righteous and holy living to the battlefield. That's again why it is that Satan always targets the heart. That's the reason. Now let's talk briefly about the sandals of the gospel. Interesting for a number of reasons, not the least of which is that what the Romans wore were studded with sharp nails. Think about cleats only... (laughs) You know, interesting, I was um, doing some research on, it's not a word we use very often, but shod, shodding, having your feet shod. You could use it in a sentence this way, the car was shod with tires. Oh, that kind of fills in some of the blanks. It carries with it the idea of ensuring that the soldier was steadied and readied with a firm footing on rough terrain. And again, is that not what the gospel provides us? That firm footing that steadies us and readies us to cover rough terrain when in the heat of the battle? That's the gospel. The shoes of the gospel, the preparation of the gospel of peace. And It's that which we need for success in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. One commentator wrote, this is really interesting. The military successes both of 
Alexander the Great and of Julius Caesar were due in large measure to their armies being well shod and thus able to undertake long marches at incredible speed over rough terrain. So picture these sandals, your feet shod with these sharp cleats on the bottom of them. And they're strapped. They don't, they don't only provide you with protection, but a firm footing. Why? So you don't fall? That's the gospel. <laughs> it provides you with that steadiness and that readiness. Let's talk about the shield of faith. Interesting detail with this one. Notice Paul says to take up or as some of your translations render it, above all, taking the shield of faith, and to do so in order to quench, to extinguish those flaming arrows, or some translations say fiery darts. Now what's up with this detail of above all? Does that mean that this part of the armor is more important above all than all the other parts? No. Stay with me on this, and this is why I didn't use graphics. I want you to use your God-given imagination, and God has given you a powerful imagination. I want you to picture this in your mind's eye, okay? You have this shield, and you're in formation, and here comes those fiery arrows, those fiery darts from the enemy, and the enemy is firing them. I can't get too far away from the mic. (laughs) The enemy is firing them, and it's coming up in the air down on top of above all of the formation. So here's what they would do. They would take their shield in formation. They would put it up above all of them and sort of lock tongue and groove, as one commentator suggested, with the other shields also taken up above all of them. And the ones in front of the formation would take that shield and put it out, lock tongue and groove. Guess what? You've got an impenetrable fortress. So here comes that arrow. Not only will it not penetrate, but it's extinguished. Because this this shield, some believe, was wood and metal, and it was dipped in water so that when that fiery arrow came, it was extinguished. Do you see the picture here? This is why it is, and we actually talked about this when we were in Psalms on Thursday night. This is actually one of the most successful strategies of the enemy. We're told that he's a a roaring lion seeking, stalking, if you prefer, who he can devour and destroy. And there's one thing about lions, they stalk their prey, and they're waiting for that optimum time to attack. Community is so important to a growing relationship with Jesus. We weren't meant to walk this Christian life alone. God has blessed us with spiritual brothers and sisters, all imperfect people serving a perfect creator. We will find ourselves in times of trial as we deepen our faith and follow Jesus. So we need to have a community of believers to lean on. Your church family can be a source of support, a cheering squad, and most importantly, a group of faithful prayer warriors. In turn, you provide the same for them. Have you found a group of Jesus followers that you can invest in? 
If you're in the Kaneohe area and don't have a church, we would be more than happy to welcome you into our family. Come join Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. Before our time is through with you today, we want to tell you how you can listen to more editions of In Spirit and Truth. Did you know you can take In Spirit and Truth on the go by downloading our mobile app? In our fast-paced world, it's easy to let the time we'd spend in the Bible slip into the back of the line of things to get done in a day. When you download our mobile app, however, you'll have verse-by-verse studies in the Bible available right at your fingertips to listen to whenever and wherever you go. You'll find a link to the app at inspiritandtruthradio.com. Join us next time as we continue in the book of Ephesians on In Spirit and Truth. Holy me true.